Mini episode 1125 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You'll want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode number 1125. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here with two of my favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries. We got them together. It's always fun when the three of us are doing a show together. It's FDH Lounge dignitaries and my good friends, Steve Callis and Joe Stazak. You can hear them together on their podcast, Callis Remarks as well as uh, Joe's show, 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia, and occasionally you'll get to hear Steve coming on there with him. Uh, it is always a joy when they are on together on any format, and uh, today that just happens to be the FDH Lounge as we are reviewing the 2019 NBA Finals. Uh, Steve Callis, my friend, uh, wonderful to have you back as always. Great to be with both of you. I love doing these shows. Looking forward to it. This is going to be outstanding. And uh, Joe Stazak, my man, the, the great Joe Stazak, uh, blowing up the airwaves of Philly on a regular basis. Thank you for being here, my friend. Nothing I enjoy more than talking sports with you guys. I appreciate you having me on, Rick. Uh, it's wonderful to uh, talk to you guys. And I have to say, much like mini episode number 1124 with you fellas breaking down the Stanley Cup Finals, it is a real joy for me personally vis-a-vis the subject matter because I have basically gone on record as saying this is the Arab Spring of sports right now. Tyrants are falling everywhere. The Chouds fall in the Stanley Cup Finals. The hated Golden State Warriors go down in the NBA Finals. Props to my man Ben Chu, who I did my series preview with. And again, I didn't have the guts to go out on this kind of a limb. I said Warriors in five. He said Raptors in seven. It was funny because he didn't think that they would clinch in Golden State, so he retrofitted it. His original pick was Warriors in six, but he made it Warriors in seven because he didn't think they would win there. Shades of what I did in 2016, I knew the Cavs were going to win that year. That was the only year I picked the Cavs to win in the finals, and I was right. But what I ended up doing was I picked the Cavs in six because I didn't think they would win a seventh game at Oracle. Both of us got it wrong as far as the number of games, but both of us were right on the outcomes in the recent years. And this is a thing, as I turn to you, Steve, where in looking at this, there were any number of factors that played into this, and basically uh, Golden State sort of being like the guy from Monty Python who's shedding limbs and everything like that by the end of the whole <laughs> series here. It's just a flesh wound. I mean, that was a big part of it. But again, you know... Toronto, they, they, they had an awful lot that they, they brought to bear. Uh, they were outstanding in so many different ways. One of the things I talked about coming into the finals it was uh, that they were only 13th in the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. That didn't turn out to be an issue. Golden State was only 11th in defensive rating during the regular season, and that might have been a little foreshadowing of what we saw in the finals. Although, again, people are going to point more to Golden State breaking down physically as they did memorably. But in, in terms of Toronto being favored by some coming into this. I was emblematic, sadly, of most pundits out there. We go by what we see with our eyes, 
and our eyes just tell us that Toronto is not going to be able to get the job done. But I have said, and in mini episode number 1123, when I was on with Cynthia Freeland, we were obviously mostly talking football, but I said to her, and she, I think she kind of agreed with me a little bit, this might be a little bit of a turning point for analytics. Because like 538 said that uh, the Toronto was going to win the series. And, and nobody took it seriously. There were, there were analytics besides the 538 ones. Ben Chu looking at this. He was the first one to say this, by the way. And what an observation when he compared them to the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. They really are. And, and that was an unlikely team that broke through in the finals. Uh, that upset over the Lakers is one of the big NBA upsets of this millennium. Uh, when the Lakers were going for a three-peat in the second round. So you look at what Toronto did, and uh, again, it, it just I, I don't think in any sport we'll ever throw analytics completely out the window again, as we all tended to do here, because they were pointing to Toronto having a legitimate chance, even when Golden State was coming into the finals healthier than they were. But uh, the way that it all played out, uh, whether it be with the injuries, with some of the big shots, uh, some of the big shots missed, like Steph 0 for 8 at the end of games and playoffs. Curry missing in game 6 there. Uh, so many memorable things for us to unpack, Steve, about how this all went. Well, if we're going to go with uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail references, then I'll have to say Golden State at the end couldn't say let's call it a draw when they had no arms or legs left, <laughs> uh, which I thought was the best line in that whole thing. Just a few uh, minutes, please. But... but I got, I got a few things on analytics, and, and I will say this. I don't know what would have happened if everybody was healthy. I do think Golden State would have won. I understand the analytics pointed to Toronto. I'll also point out that with the Patriots as a two-and-a-half point favorite in the Super Bowl after being uh, plus one when the Super Bowl first opened, the analytics still said the Rams would win. The ESPN BPI, whatever that is, the day of the Super Bowl said Rams 50 to win. I think there are certain things that even analytics can't cover. It was more obvious to me in the Super Bowl, because I did think Golden State would win this series. For example, as they thankfully said with Joe on the air, this was a case of Bill Belichick having two weeks to prepare for a quarterback who had already lost his best weapon, Cooper Cup, and also probably was going to lose his running back because nobody knew what was wrong with him. Now we find out this spring he's got a degenerative knee condition. So I thought that was an obvious bet. This, I think, if they had stayed healthy, it would have been interesting even without Durant if Clay Thompson would have stayed healthy because I'll talk briefly about the timeout that almost cost the Toronto Raptors the series, in my opinion, in second. But if Thompson doesn't get hurt, I think they win game six. I'm not saying they would have won game seven. And the reason I thought that Toronto was so impressive and get and should get a ton of credit is not because Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA, which is what I thought before the playoffs, and thankfully said so with Joe, um, but because the secondary guys finally got more consistent. They were horrific against the 76ers. Yeah. They were fortunate that... 76ers and seven on a four bounce touch the rim shot. Um, would they have won in overtime? Yeah, maybe. You never know. Um, but they were horrific. The other guys, other, uh, I said to John the Aaron Philly, it's like Kawhi against three or four 76ers for two or three of these games, two of which they won. It was incredible. But here in these finals, especially in game six, my goodness. Um, Van Vliet was unbelievable. Siakam was unbelievable. Lowry was unbelievable. Lowry has shaken off that, you know, can't play in the playoffs label. 
he totally shook that off. So they had a bunch of guys in addition to Leonard who you just mark them down for brilliance. You know, everybody says, oh, game seven, he only had 22. No, 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 He played great. He drew double teams. He was a super-duper star. I don't know if anybody's had a run like he had in these playoffs. You know, you can go back to Jerry Webb averaging 40 a game against the Celtics and losing in seven. I guess you can go back to those kinds of series. But Kawhi Leonard, to me, the best two-way player in the game, and if everyone agrees he's the best two-way player in the game, I don't know how they don't agree he's the best player in the game. Um, but I will say the reason they won certainly game six and a number of these other games, you know, after he had his wife had his son, he shot 70% from three years. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the things were just crazy. Siakam is going to be a star, but he can have a great game and a bad game. But he played great at the end. Even though Gasol didn't play well, he's a steady, steadying influence in game six I'm talking about, who's a great passer. I mean, if Kawhi goes back, they're a big threat next year, especially with the Wake Bolton State. I know we're going to talk about that later. Um, but I kind of looked at it, I have to say, Rick, more on the Golden State side because whatever the analytics said, you won't be able to convince me that if they both played and were healthy, that Toronto could have won this series. I don't think there's any way. You can totally convince me that they could have won if Durant never played and Clay Thompson stayed healthy. Um, but that's not what happened either. So I got a lot to say, but I'll turn it over to you guys. I do want to talk about that timeout in game five at some point, um, but I've already said enough, so I'll pass it along to you and Joe and see what else is going on. Well, you know what, and this is something I want to lead with with Joe, and again, Joe, you take this any area that you want to take it in, but I would be remiss if I didn't point this out, because uh, Steve uh, mentioned, of course, I know it's painful in Philadelphia still, the ball that Bounced about 46 different times on top of the rim uh, to end the uh, series between Toronto and Philadelphia. You know, I understand people in Philly were pissed, but this is the year of the bounce in Philadelphia, Joe. And, uh, you know, yeah, you, you, liked it, you liked it in January. You didn't like it so much later on. You know, the ball bounces both ways, man. Sometimes you're the bug. Sometimes you're the windshield. Toronto ends up advancing on, but... Uh, you know, your your thoughts about the run that uh, Toronto went on here, climaxing against Golden State. Well, um, again, Toronto uh, wins the title, and they meet all the criteria that I mentioned. They stayed healthy. Um, I don't know if you call it a break, but it was a critical moment in Game 7, obviously. And they get a four-bouncer to drop from the corner. You know, who knows who would have won in overtime? You know, uh, six or four, with, you know, four seconds left to tie the game. A horrifically played game, but both teams kind of strapped and clawed. I thought, you know, Steve mentioned this. Toronto got better as the playoffs went along. They weren't all that good in, against the Sixers. There were a couple blowouts both ways. And I don't thoughts. Another critical moment, and you have to come out on top in these critical moments, uh, was game four. Sixers were two games to one. And they were about to go three games to one. Tied at 75 going into the fourth quarter. I'm sad. I said on the air after this, I said all we had to do was win that quarter and probably win the series up three games to one. And Joel Embiid misses two free throws. It's called for a walk, two turnovers, and Toronto stayed steady. And they won that game, tied the series up. We know what happened. They got the quadruple doink. And, um, you know, so they, they won, and uh, they came back from 2-1 to one down against the Sixers, 0-2 to the Bucks. Again, a lot of resiliency, and 
it was impressive. They were not good against the Sixers. The supporting cast, Kawhi was great. Um, in Game 7, they were playing hot potato with the ball. Didn't see what anyone wanted to shoot. They couldn't get it to Kawhi quick enough. And he was, you know, fantastic as he was, you know, the entire playoffs. He averaged over 30 points per game. But as the series uh, progressed, uh, the supporting cast, like Steve said, got much more consistent. Siakam averaged 19 points, Lowry 15. Um, the big three, those guys were all in double digits. Everyone else was under 10 points a game, but close. You know, Marcus Saul contributed, and Fred Van Vliet scored 12 points in the Sixers series, and he scores 12 points in the fourth quarter against Golden State. I mean, are you kidding me? So, um, and, and they got some breaks. Golden State does not lose that series if they're healthy. I'm sorry. They just don't. Um, I think the way... And, and I also thought this. I, I was very impressed with Golden State even in the defeat. Um, they hung in there, especially game five. They were down six, three minutes left. And Steve, as you mentioned, they get hit coming out, which was inexplicable. But, um, you know, Nick Nurse and then... Uh, uh, Golden State, Clay, and Curry go on a tear, and next thing you know, they're up three points. And uh, just that quickly, Steve and I were texting basically after that, that run that Toronto put on in Columbus for 10 points in a few minutes. We both thought Golden State looked finished. They looked like they were done. They called the timeout, and then they go on a run. I thought they were valiant in the feed. Game six, Clay Thompson has 30 points in 30 minutes, and he goes out. And that was a lot of time left, a quarter and a half, and they hung in there. Curry and the rest of the supporting cast, you know, Boone's banged up, and Iggy wasn't all that healthy, and uh, Curry, you know, didn't have a great night for three, but they hung in there and gave themselves even an opportunity, you know, to win the game. And, of course, Curry, you know, makes that shot a million times, happened to come up short, and Steve mentioned, or Rick mentioned the operate you know, in the fourth quarter overtime and, uh, you know, maybe uh, lacks the big shot capability, even though he's probably the greatest shooter I've ever seen. But, um, hey, listen, you know, you can only play the guys that you're going up against. And, you know, as much as I almost can guarantee you they don't win that series if Durant Durant and Thompson are healthy. I mean, uh, Durant scored uh, 11 points in uh, a few minutes. He saw what he could do even after he was gone a month. And unfortunately, you know, the injury and Clay Thompson, I think they definitely win game six. And I, I still think they're, they were talented enough, and they are the champs. I, I still thought they were in the game seven in Toronto. But they did lose. Listen, with Clay and Steph, Toronto won games three and four at Oracle with Clay and Steph healthy. And uh, so got to give them credit for that. Uh, and Golden did lost three games at home, which is unheard of. But, uh, you know, again, hats off to Toronto. They did what they had to do. And, you know, um, they made an unbelievable risk with, uh, you know, trading Brooke Bly, DeMar DeRozan, to have an opportunity to win now. And they fired the coach, uh, coach of the year, and it's unprecedented that you get fired. They hired Nick Nurse, who never had a lot of head coach experience. And, uh, you know, they made it work. You know, hats off to Toronto. Um, I thought the fans were a disgrace. 
Um, I do have to just mention that, you know, cheering when Kevin Durant was down, waving him goodbye until the Toronto players were like, you know, what the hell, you know, knock it off. And then they started saying, KD, KD. Too late, you, you made fools of yourself. I heard even guys on our airwaves try to kind of rationalize why that happened in the first 30 seconds. There's no excuse for that. It was, it was just a complete disgrace. Um, and then the shootings at the parade, um, you know, not their finest moment, but again, hats off to them. They came back from 2 nothing to the Bucks, who were a buzzsaw at that time. You know, uh, came back from getting blown out in game three against the Sixers to win that series. And, uh, you know, they took Golden State down. You know, and now again, they got breaks. Like I mentioned, you need breaks. And the breaks were Golden State, you know, their two top guys or two of the three top guys go out. Um, I think this makes it, some people think, well, Kawhi will never leave now, won the title, you know, that's his team. I think it makes it easier for Kawhi to leave. To be honest, um, I think he delivered his championship, got a ring in Toronto. Now I think he probably wants to go do his own thing. As hard as it's going to be to leave Toronto. And a lot of folks think that he's going to be vilified when he comes back. I don't think so. I think they'll always appreciate what Kawhi did, but I think I think he's going to bounce. I really do. I, I think he's going to opt for the warm weather, play this ball at San Diego State or California. And uh, I, I've been saying for a long time, and it's not like um, earth-shattering, an earth-shattering prediction. I think he's going to end up with the Clippers. And, um, you know, so I think, that, again, there's going to be a shift in the balance of power in the Western Conference with Golden State, you know, being temporarily done. You know, Rick, I mentioned this earlier. I think it's they're just delayed. I, Durant signs um, Golden State again, and Clay does. They'll be back in two years, and I think they'll um, still do you know their thing. But again, now the Lakers are building a core, uh, in spite of the ridiculousness that is that front office. And uh, I don't think Kawhi wants to go there and play with LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis. I think he's going to go to the Clippers. I think also he realizes. I think he realizes. Toronto's not a dynasty team. You know, they got a lot of breaks along the way with injury. They did play well, and they got better and better and better. And I got to mention, um, unsung hero, Serge Ibaka. Uh, every time he came in the game and touched the ball, especially against the Sixers, but he did it against Golden State as well. You know, he averaged 11 points in 19 minutes. He's always making big threes or blocks or, you know, he doesn't get a lot of the credit, but I think he deserves a lot of the credit um, for what he did. But, again, I don't think Toronto is like one of those dynasty teams. I think it was a good run. They were a good team. They got over the hump because they, you know, have been labeled chokers. They lost in four games to the Cleveland last year, and I think they might have gotten swept the year before. Um, but I think it's going to be easier for Kawhi to bounce, and I think that's going to be the end of the Raptors, and it will open the door in the East, possibly the Sixers. I think they, they are a flawed team. They need some help in certain areas. Boston seems to be falling apart. You know, maybe it's Milwaukee goes on the run next year, but I think it's going to be down to Milwaukee and the Sixers, and we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, and uh, a lot to unpack there, but I tell you, I, I want to go to the whole thing here uh, and mention just parenthetically about, uh, you know, Crimea River as far as Golden State's injuries. Every title <laughs> they've ever won was tainted. A year before they blew a 3-1 lead, by the way, in case we forgot about this, in 2016 against the good guys, a year before that... They only won the title because there was no Kevin Love and there was no Kyrie Irving for all but one game of the finals. A team, 
Yeah, They're the sec- second leading scorer on that team was our big seven foot six guy from Russia, who Mozgov, who has not been seen or heard from since, more or less. <laughs> so you got that happening. Uh, you know, two years ago, uh, they send out Zaza Pachulia to accidentally, on purpose, take out Kawhi Leonard. He pretty much just proved he could beat Golden State in a series right here, right now. He might have done that two years ago with San Antonio. By the way, they were beating the crap out of him by like 20 points in Game 1 of the West Finals when that happened, not coincidentally. Uh, The whole thing with Chris Paul, 2018 Western Conference Finals, he gets hurt. Everything Toronto's ever won has been tainted, so I don't want to hear anything about how we should be feeling sorry for them. And Joe, when I circle back around to you, I'll have a few more thoughts on Golden State. But in the meantime, Steve, I'm going to set it up for you. Anything else you want to talk about with the finals here? Anything that happened with the finals, with the injuries, as far as looking ahead to next season? Any remaining thoughts you have, Steve? Yeah, well, I'm not going to... I agree totally with what Joe said about the fans. I mean, it was just horrific. I, I don't ever want to hear the damn great fans in Toronto. It's a beautiful oh. city, but uh, terrible. And nor do I want to jump on the timeout thing, other than to say Jeff Van Gundy, who I think is pretty good when he does the games, uh, he said it was nonsense to say there was a bad timeout from Nick Nurse because everybody's going backwards by what happened afterwards and that, you know, uh, Toronto didn't score or they had, like, the one layup that was goaltending. That was the only basket. But nobody was looking backwards. Everybody was looking at it from giving or the intelligent people. And, look, I, I think Van Gundy knows this. I just think he's a coach protector because he is a yeah. coach. Uh, but but everybody, everybody was looking at it from a hold it. Kawhi just scored 10 in a row. You just went from... Down four to plus six. You're rolling these guys. Who's go- uh, Draymond Green after the game thought the Golden State called timeout. Uh, I think that was a pretty poor analysis just trying to protect the coach. But it was a horrific timeout, and I'll say it again. If Clay had stayed healthy and they won game six, or Durant could have played and they won game seven, it would have been the dumbest timeout in the history of uh, the NBA. The only one play I want to focus on, just like Joe intelligently brought up that um, – Petrangelo goal with like eight seconds left in the first period of game seven. That's a good point. I'll point to this one. So Clay Thompson gets hurt. Clean play. Danny Green challenges him at the rim. Uh, he goes into the, you know, you saw he goes in towards the locker room and then they tell him he can't play if he doesn't take the foul shots. He comes out and he takes the two foul shots. Now, it was clear right before the foul shots that Golden State had decided not to foul, that they had decided to play a zone. And somehow Cousins thought that someone had said, and maybe they had said earlier, that we're going to foul. Because here's what happens. If you watch the replay, Draymond Green comes on the court above the top of the key and yells out just before Clay Thompson is shooting the second shot, no foul, no foul. You can see him hold his hands out and say, no foul, no foul. But for whatever reasons, Cousins didn't hear him. And in fact, when they run back on defense... Draymond Green grabs Clay Thompson and points him to like where you would play up on the two-one-two zone, just as Cousins is fouling. Now, when Cousins fouls, Draymond Green says, puts his hands out, "What are you doing?" And Cousins pointed to the bench. So he might have been told earlier in the in the timeout to foul. I don't know what happened, nor did I find anything after looking for it. The reason that's important is because they were already in the bonus. 
You don't want to put a guy on the line. You're not going to give a guy a chance to get two points to take Clay Thompson out. Of course, that's exactly what happened. Siakam makes both. Now, it's true, a guy with a torn ACL, he's trying to play defense till they get the ball back. You probably could have got a pretty easy shot over there if you knew what was happening. Now, you guys probably know, with a, with a torn ACL, even with a torn ACL, you can run straight and back. You can run the straight line. But when you make any little move, any little move, that's when you just crumble. Right. So, or crumple, or both. But that was fascin- a fascinating play to me. People didn't really talk about it. Uh, I think Van Gundy said something at the time. Oh, it looks like they're going to play his own. And clearly, if, again, if you watch the replay, Draymond Green comes on the court right before the foul shot and says, no foul, no foul. And give Clay Thompson incredible credit for making those two foul shots. That's unbelievable to me. And give uh, Siakam incredible credit. But again, the game at the end was really 110-109 before all that with the timeout and the you know three foul shots, whatever it was. That was a one-point game, and you can make a case that those were the two points. Again, you never know what was going to happen. But you can make a case that those were the two points that they gave. They just gave to Toronto a chance for two foul shots to get Clay off the uh, ground, uh, off the court. And that was a mistake according to the latest play they wanted to run. So I thought that was important. Forward-looking, look, I think it's a free-for-all. I know the Lakers are the um, the Lakers are already a favorite, but I'll say this. As great as LeBron is, as great as Anthony Davis is, and Kuzma might be the best of all those young guys that they managed to keep, uh, I did a little research, and the three of them combined this past season to make, the three of them combined to make five threes a game. In the new NBA... And if you didn't know there was a new NBA, I know you guys know it, you certainly have it out here <laughs> in the playoffs, especially in the finals. It's almost like the team that takes the most threes wins. I mean, that's where we're going in this. I think it's terrible. I've talked with Joe about this. I think they should eliminate the first two rows of the court where they have those $1,000 seats. Aha, that's never going to go away. But they need to widen the court. They need to bring the three-point line another foot or two feet out in the corners as well, because um, now what we've got is a three-point shooting contest, and that's really what it is. You know, if you need to look at one stat, I mean, if you agree, Rick, because this is the last thing I'm going to say, if you need one stat to look at the basketball game now, I just want that stat. Tell me the three-point shooting. I think I can tell you 75% of the time who won the game. And the 25% that I can't tell you is because you shot similarly both teams for a three-pointer. So just looking forward to next year, I think the Lakers better get some three-pointers. But I agree, the notion that this is now wide open, obviously we have to see what Kawhi does. Um, But it's a wide open, I think, in both conferences. Um, But I don't think you can really make any predictions. I'll predict this. If they can get three three-point shooters, if Pat Corbin, who I think just got traded today, I think I saw he got traded, um, if you can get some of the three-point shooting guys, then L.A. is going to be very tough because they've got the two super stars. I mean, that's two of the what? He's a top-ten player, Davis. He might be a top-seven player. Right. Um, so they've got two of the top seven or eight or nine in the league. But I think to win, even though it's only a five-man game, I think if they can't make threes next year, I do not think they'll win the championship. I don't think Golden State has a chance this year. I suggested to Joe on the air maybe Curry and Green take a year off. They get, you know, a lottery pick. They take a year off. Everybody comes back healthy in two years, and Golden State will be Golden State again. But I, I understand why the Lakers are the favorite, but they have to fill in holes 
that they don't have filled in. They got five guys under contract. In the East, I like the Sixers, but you got to see who they sign. I suggested if Kawhi wants to win next year, he go right to Philly because I think he'd fit in right there. Houston, they're bickering. The two superstars are bickering. So I think it's wide open. Portland might be better than we think, even though they got swept. It's wide, And I like the Denver Nuggets myself. Let me say right now, my old high school coach, Brendan Malone, his son has done a great job with the Denver Nuggets and this Jokic. I think he is a top five player now, and nobody really knows yep. that even now. Yeah, I would agree oh with God. that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, the Joker is definitely one of the very, very best in the league. Uh, right now, and uh, yeah, Denver should be in the conversation next year. The Lakers this year, 29th in three-point shooting. Golden State was third. Toronto was sixth in three-point percentage. So yes, you've got to be very good at that if you are going to exceed or excel in today's uh, NBA. Uh, Last uh, word I have on the crowd in Toronto. This might have accounted for it in part. I heard a rumor uh, that the cast from Trailer Park Boys made their way over from Halifax, and maybe they occupied a good part of the former Air Canada Center here. So that might account for some of the disturbance uh, there when uh, KD went down and the lack of a classy response by those folks. But, uh, you know, as I uh, pivot to you for your closing thoughts uh, on this, uh, Joe, uh, again, you look at Steph Curry with his paper ankles. You know, I know that people just assume two years from now it's all going to be reconstituted. You know, Joe, you know, a lot of times in social media people like to mark this, that I'm so old that dot, dot, dot. You know, I'm so old that I can remember when Golden State was relevant to the future of the NBA, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still think they're going to be relevant if, if Katie signs and sticks around. Uh, it's just going to take a year. I mean, basically, they're next year's shot. We're going to. I know that makes you happy, Rick. Yep. They're done next year already. Uh, kind of like the Lakers, but LeBron signed up for you know to go there. Um, they were done early, and you know he realized maybe he made a mistake. But you know now, um, you know Rich Paul, despite what you think about him, kind of uh, facilitated this move. Anthony Davis is now with LeBron. They have a nice foundation now. Steve mentioned Kyle Kuzma still there. That was, was probably the best player to not get moved. Um, so, again, the balance of power to me, because of Golden State's situation, you know, shifts to um, Southern California. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Kawhi goes to the Clippers. You know, maybe they'll you know, be a team to be reckoned with as well. Uh, a couple final thoughts on the uh, NBA Finals. Um, Masai Ujiri, um, I don't mean, I probably butchered his last name. No, you got it right. Uh, oh, did I? Yeah. Um, he took a chance, fired Dwayne Casey, which was interesting. I heard a, a guy who was, didn't have a lot of experience, I was an assistant for a while, um, and he got Kawhi Leonard in a move. Okay, okay. Um, it was a risk. But I don't think he's a genius. And all of a sudden, I think it's overreactionary that the Wizards now want to pay him $10 million a year and make him, you know, the god of all gods, um, Wizards-related. I think it's overreactionary. And I think it's, you know, I think he's a genius because of those two moves. It worked out, but really, you got the best player in the game, as he talks about, and you already had a pretty good team. Um, that wasn't a risk. The risk was, you know, firing the head coach, and it turns out it worked out well. Why does Nick Nurse look like a very good coach? Not because he has Kawhi Leonard. He's got, he's got, you know, the best player in the game. 
And it reminds me of uh, Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame, like came to in like his second year. All of a sudden, they gave him like this major contract extension for you know, ten million per year or something ridiculous. And then they stunk after that. They ended up paying him nineteen million to go away. You know, it just became a disaster. So I, I just think the Wizards are overreacting. But you know, hey, you know, good luck to him. He did a nice job. Things worked out for him. And uh, he won a title. I will say this, uh, and we talked about this this the other night. Jimmy Brown should have his voting rights revoked because he voted for Fred Van Vliet as finals MVP. <laughs> I, 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 right? I mean, uh, you shouldn't be allowed to vote if you do something stupid like that. You know, uh, I know it all comes out of the finals, and he was good. He was fine. Quite um, better. 41 minutes per game and just about 29 points and 10 rebounds, 4 assists. He was dominant. It doesn't, you know, take someone with any basketball knowledge. I have no idea why Hubie Brown did that, but I think he made a fool of himself. I think his right, uh, voting uh, rights should be, you know, revoked. But I think it's going to be interesting next year. You know, the Lakers do. They had to give up the four picks. Big time draft tomorrow night. New Orleans got, you know, a king's ransom. Anthony Davis will see if they make the right moves. They have, uh, uh, they have the number four pick now. They have the number one pick. You're going to see Zion Williamson, whoever they get at four. They got some of those Lakers role players. You know, and it'll be interesting to see you know what they do next year. Although it takes a while since we always talked about it takes a lot of mesh and uh, you know have that chemistry. But uh, again, I think in the East it's the Sixers and the Bucks out in the West. Who knows what's going on with Houston? Um, big time tension apparently between Chris Paul and, and James Harden, which isn't you know uh, good for the chemistry aspect of you know their deal. I mean, with Golden State now down and out for next year, you would think it's Houston's turn to kind of get over that hump. Yeah, we'll see. I think they're a flawed team as well. I mean, James Harden's an offensive machine, but doesn't play much defense. And Chris Paul is getting a little old. Um, you know, they couldn't beat Golden State when they had the opportunity, you know, to win uh, game six or four seventh game. And at home, they lost, you know, without Kevin Durant. So uh, I don't know what we're going to expect from the Lakers. You know, uh, they got two stars now, but, they, you know, they don't have a, a real you know, shooting guard. Uh, I know LeBron brings the ball up once in a while, but they, they need a guard. And, and Sixers fans are scared to death that Jimmy Butler is going to go there. Uh, he'd be perfect for the Lakers, but I, I think he's one to trying to fill it up. Yeah, I really do. And we'll see. Uh, apparently, I, I hear that the Lakers are interested in Kemba Walker, but as Steve mentioned the other night on the air, um, I believe he said he, to stay in Charlotte, you know, he'd leave some money on the table. So maybe he's, he's not that interested. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I still think they need work. They need help. And I think the Sixers need help. They're a flawed team. Very flawed. You know, you have, uh, all right, Tobias Harris. He's kind of probably going to need a match contract. There's a lot of interest in him around the league. He might not be here, but you know, he's not a max guy. He's, he's a good player. And he disappears sometimes. Good player. They have Joel Embiid, who can't stay healthy. Whether he's got the sniffles whether he's got inflammation in his knee, uh, he's always injured, and that's tough to be a superstar if you're not around. They have a 6'10 point guard who can't shoot, and, uh, you know, they have uh, Jimmy Butler who sometimes doesn't get along with folks, you know, tends to have an attitude here and there, but I think he likes to build up. They really do. 
And uh, so I think he'll be back. Uh, I think the Sixers, I don't know. Uh, I hear they're still trying to last on the weather for another year or two. But uh, I'm not sure so they don't need some help somewhere. I think they need a sniper. They don't really have a sniper. Jimmy Butler did some good things in the post but you know, they don't have that, you know, Bradley Beal and Steph Curry, but um, someone can just fill it up. You know, uh, Damian Lillard um, is one of those guys. They just don't have that, so I think they need some help in that area. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard was perfect here. But I don't think, you know, it might be a little warmer than Toronto. But uh, I don't think he, he's, he's coming here or he wants to come here, which is unfortunate. But, um, you know, again, Jimmy Butler made some shots, showed up in the playoffs. But um, I think they need a sniper. And they don't have that. Like a legitimate scorer. And, uh, you know, we'll see, what else. we'll see what happens. Free agency opens up June 30th, 6 p.m. It's going to be a fun pre-agent period because you got big names, lots of big names uh, out there to be had. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Oh, well, a couple of them are injured right now, so that kind of puts a twist to everything. But I think the balance of power shifted in the West, and I think it comes down to the Sixers and Bucks in the East with Boston kind of falling apart. So, um, you know, I think one of the either Sixers or Bucks make it to the finals next year. And, uh, who knows? I think the West is up for grabs. Hey, Ray, can I say one more thing about Golden State? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll be very quick, and I always have this conversation with Joe on the air and off the air. Uh, I think it's a conversation, who puts the best guard on the Golden State Warriors? Is it Steph Curry or is it Clay Thompson? Good point. And, and Clay Thompson defends much better. Steph Curry doesn't defend much. And... I just want to, I'm looking at a stat sheet now, and I just want to point out, as you know, Thompson was hurt earlier in the series and missed a game, and of course yep. he got hurt in the last game. And let me just give you his percentages for the series, the finals. He shot 54% from the floor. He shot 59% from three, and he shot 88% from the free throw line. Steph Curry shot 41% from the floor, 34% from three, and 94% from the free throw line. Now, that's just offensively, and I'll say it again, Clay Thompson is one of the best defensive guards in basketball and has been. I think that's been a conversation for a couple of years, but I think I'm the only one who's in the conversation. Because I think Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard, I even said this to some young, some young high school kids I know who play ball. I said, you want to know how to play ball and be a ball player? Go watch Kawhi Leonard. Watch what he does. Kick their ass and go home. You want to be a ball player? Watch Clay Thompson. Watch them both on both ends of the floor. Kick their ass and go home. I think these two guys are the best examples, and I think they get nowhere the the credit they nowhere near the credit they deserve as top 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 players because I think Kawhi is one and I think Clay is one of the three or four best guards in the league and I don't think they get that because they just are themselves they just go away they do what they want to do and I think it's sad that that's how it is today but I also realize that that's how it is today well sure and I don't disagree with your rating on them as uh, talents 
Uh, again, as I've uh, been a lifelong resident of America's North Coast, I am incapable of not feeling a little schadenfreude <laughs> right now toward the Warriors. And, you know, did, didn't think I could hate them anymore. And in this past season, the two games with the Cavs, they're getting quoted like, oh, isn't it sad how the mighty have fallen? I remember when this used to be a rivalry. Boy, wait till the game next year. I'm sure John Beeline's going to be putting a little meth in the water bottles there. I can't wait to see Colin Sexton go for 50 on those guys. They will be hyped. They will be motivated. And uh, that is going to be something to see against what's left of the Golden State Warriors. And as for a guy you mentioned, uh, Joe, I guess I'll, I'll leave it on this. You mentioned Ben Simmons. That guy is the shooting what Lamar Jackson is the passing. And it's going to be a beautiful thing when my Browns front four gets a load of him this year. <laughs> so, no, next year he's going to change. He's going to work on it this summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah learning to shoot and learning to pass, they're very easy at the highest professional levels, are they not? Yeah, as these guys will find out. But everything Lamar Jackson and NFL, that is another story for another day in the lounge. Uh, For the meantime, I can't thank you guys enough for being here, Steve Callis and Joe Stazak. And I want to thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode number 1125. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all clear channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IamBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metal Apocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and the Periodic Table of Elements.